Welcome back to A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports, where we are obviously here to talk about all things sports. We love to talk about sports, we love to talk to people about sports, and we love to have so much fun while we do it. Exactly. We've been dating for 10 years, we golf on a ton of tangents, we debate sports every single day, and we wanted to start a podcast and bring those perspectives to you guys. And we also get the opportunity to interview some incredible guests, so we hope that you will take the time scroll down or scroll up whatever it is for you guys hit that little subscribe button leave a rating leave a review and if you enjoy please share with a sports lover and as always if you want a little daily fix of a guy and a girl talk sports hit us up on instagram twitter and facebook they're all gg talk sports let's get into today's highlights so today's highlights are going to be extremely short because as you guys probably know already we have a incredible guest on the podcast today, Mackenzie Cohen. She is a outstanding person. But before we get into our interview, we want to give you guys a little bit of some sports highlights that are going around the world right now. So, in the NBA, the Jazz have the best record in the NBA. Lakers are number one in the West, though, and the 76ers are number one in the East because the, the Lakers beat the Jazz. That's technically why the Lakers are number one. Just wanted to clarify that for everybody. It's like, how does that even work? But might get a little sense. weird. All right, moving on to the NHL. The Toronto Maple Leafs have the best record in the NHL. Obviously, it is brand new. Just started. I think they're like 14 games in. But still, just wanted to point that out. And I also kind of want to give a little hometown shout-out to the Nashville Preds. They are positive. They are not technically losing right now. We love to see it. We love to see it. All right, moving on. NCAA men's basketball. There are some incredible top 25 matchups this weekend. We just wanted to say that to you guys because if you're listening – Be sure to check out some NCAA basketball. There's also some incredible women's basketball going on this weekend as well. Some great top 25 matchups. So if you guys have the TV on during the weekend and you get bored or you want to watch some basketball, go check out some college basketball for men's and women's. I know because this weekend we don't have any NFL football, so you're going to have lots of free time to fill with basketball. Exactly. But speaking of the NFL, this is the final thing I want to talk about. The Texans, they have a new head coach. They hired David Cauley. And I actually didn't realize this much about him until I did a deep dive. And, and that's probably on me personally. But I didn't realize that David Cauley was the first black quarterback at Vanderbilt. And he wasn't moved to receiver or another position like that. He truly played quarterback. And he's also been a black coach for 40 plus years. So I think that his off-field experiences and his personal coaching experiences are going to really be a beneficial thing to the Texans. Yeah, I hope so. I will also say... Kind of a, a negative thing, maybe, potentially, is that he was the passing game coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, they had Lamar, so why pass it so much? But still, just something to consider and think about. Yeah, I agree. It's still kind of like an off-the-wall hire after we have seen the list of people that they've been interviewing. But it's kind of exciting, I guess, and it'll be interesting to see how he does in that system. And also, the big question will be, will he actually have Deshaun Watson to work with or not? So stay tuned for that one. Agreed. So we're going to get into our interview, guys. We want to keep these highlights pretty short because the interview is incredible, fantastic. She is truly a -a one-of-a-kind person, and we had the pleasure and opportunity to speak with her. So we hope that you guys enjoy. And if you do enjoy, please don't forget to leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, and please share it with a sports lover or fan. So here we go. Enjoy our podcast with Mackenzie Cohen. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. We have a fantastic guest. Literally, we are so excited to talk with her. Her name is Mackenzie Cohen. She is a six-time world champion, a three-time Paralympic gold medalist, a one-time Paralympic silver medalist in Rio de Janeiro at the 2016 Paralympic Games. I can go on and on, which we will throughout this whole entire podcast, but I just want to say thank you so much. We cannot wait to talk with you, and we are just incredibly excited. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. So we just kind of want to get started. We usually ask this as kind of the first question to everybody we talk to, and that's kind of like just give us some background on how you got into swimming, how you kind of came into the sport that you now love and obviously are super successful with. Yeah, absolutely. So my time in the water actually started way back when I was four years old and I got into it with aqua therapy. So I was born with a connective tissue disorder called osteogenesis imperfecta, which is quite a long mouthful of words. That means I have brittle bones that often break for little to no reason. So I had my first physical therapy appointment at six months. And when I was four years old, the physical therapist suggested to my parents that they get me in the water right away. And it became my favorite place. It became my favorite thing. And it felt like freedom. And I didn't have that on land. I had to be really careful and stay in my wheelchair and be really cautious. But the water kind of gave me the opportunity to let go and be free. So I was going to aqua therapy. And I have two brothers. I'm the middle child. And my older brother decided to join the swim team. And they also put my little brother in it while I was still in aqua therapy. And I remember I used to look over from what I started to call the baby pool, which was actually (laughs) just the therapy pool. And I saw my brothers, you know, swimming fast and being with all the other kids and racing. And I looked over there and I was like, I can do that. I can beat the other kids. I can yeah, do this. That's amazing. Definitely. So that's how that's how it all started for me. That's incredible. I I, I think that's just an amazing story. And also, shout out to your family. I, were you, so I kind of want to ask this, and if this is too personal, we can skip on to the next question. But since you brought up your brothers, were they a big you know influence in this whole entire process? I'm sure that they were, but I just wanted to ask. I was curious. Yeah, absolutely. My brothers have always been there for me since day one and that goes you know in the water out of the water and you know I'm, I'm actually in the process of writing a book right now and I'm revisiting a lot of my childhood and just you know kind of reflecting and looking at what they've done for me because I'm sure it wasn't easy growing up with a sister who had a lot of medical problems and I'm sure it wasn't easy to deal with at times but they've always been there and I'll never forget in Rio it all kind of came full circle because it was really amazing to grow up with your siblings and have swimming, you know, that we kind of all share with each other. I know it's really common in a lot of families, you know, the kids kind of all do a different sport, but this is something that I've shared with them for a lifetime. And when I was in Rio and, you know, I won my gold medals, my favorite thing to do coming off of the podium was to look for my family in the stands and being able to share those moments with them. It, it all came full circle and I would not be here today if it weren't for them and their support. Yeah. That is incredible. I just, I think Steph is going to ask the next question, but I just got to say shout out to your brothers and your family. Cause that, that is amazing. I bet that was probably a, if not your favorite top three favorite moments of all time, but all right, sorry. Oh, I, inter- no, I interrupted yeah. Steph, my bad. No, you're good. And I want to 100% get fully into the entire Olympic experience, how you even got to that point. But I do just have a question because I want to circle back to your first answer, which you referenced like seeing your brothers swimming and they're swimming in a different pool than you. And you're like, I can do that. How does that yeah. kind of like attitude like translate into your whole kind of life story? Oh, that is literally the attitude and the motto that's carried me through my entire life. And let me tell you, having a disability or disorder like mine 
everyone around you and you know at times they they mean well they don't mean to try and stop you from doing what you're doing but they would say are you sure this is a good idea yeah. or yeah. you're too fragile or don't you think that's a little dangerous so my entire life I kind of had all these different people telling me that I couldn't do things and it really came down to looking within knowing myself and knowing how strong I am Right. I've been through a lot and I'm not about, and I always tell people this, you never let somebody else dictate what you're capable of. And that combined with, you know, kind of my stubbornness and fierceness <laughs> has really kind of carried me through my life and gotten me to the point where I am today. I mean, I'm just going to say I fully understand why you are a motivational speaker because I'm already <laughs> motivated and fired up. From, I like, need this book. I know. True. Definitely need the book. So give well, us a little bit of info on how you started transitioning. So you're doing swimming as therapy, but then how do you start actually competing in swimming? So, okay. So I got, <laughs> I was really over it one day at aqua therapy. And oh, I remember I got out of the water. I went over to my mom and during aqua therapy, I think watching my brothers over there, yeah, I was probably in it. I had like private therapy lessons, but I also had a couple where I was with other kids, which, you know, it was great to be with other kids and everything. But I would spend aqua therapy trying to mimic what my brothers were doing over there. So I would try to like move through the water like they would and everything. And I was like, I was so tired of it one day, just trying to do it over there. And so I went to my mom after aqua therapy and I wore like, um, you know, those like floaty life jacket things. Yes. Like, yeah. So I would always have one on during aqua therapy. So I went up to my mom and I was like, mom, I want to join the swim team. And she goes, okay and you know with everything else i've done in my life she's always like okay how are you gonna do it and i was like i'm gonna swim because the requirement was you had to swim one lap on your own unassisted like no help no life jacket so she's like okay you got to get rid of the life jacket and i was like a little hesitant at first and i was like oh yeah okay <laughs> um and i remember i looked down at it and she's like no you can do this you want this right and i was like yes yes i do so she unzips the life jacket and she literally, there was like this big trash can over there. She throws it in the trash and oh, she goes, let it. it go. And I was like, okay. So she literally, <laughs> bless my mom's heart. Like my mom and my dad are saints for everything that I put them through. Um, but she like walks over to the edge of the pool. She, she throws me in. And I remember I was like holding on to the side. So I looked over at her. She goes, I'm right here. Let's do this. And the head coach of the team came over. And I remember all like the assistant coaches were over there. Like it was a big spectacle. Right. <laughs> and I ended up swimming like six laps on my own before I stopped. Oh Whoa! my. Yeah. It was like the coolest feeling. I think I only stopped because like they made me get out. They're like, okay, like the aquatic center is about to close. Like you actually have to leave. You're you probably like, no, hang on. I got a few more laps in me, coach. Like I'm, I'm good. I don't want a life jacket. Yeah. Let me swim. <laughs> yeah, no, actually like I'm good. I'm Gucci. I'll close up. Like just leave me. <laughs> I'll close up. Like, keep going. Love it. That is incredible. So I guess obviously you killed it. You did six laps. You wanted to do more. So yeah. I want to talk to this a little bit. I want to not skip through it because this is a massive point of when you realize you had the potential to compete at a high level. You know, you, you yeah. obviously made the team. You started swimming and, you know, no life jacket, doing normal laps competing. and competing. Right. And then when did you actually see yourself and you're like, all right, hang on. I'm, I'm kind of better than some of these, if not all of these kids right now. 
Yeah, so it was a really crazy journey. You know, got the life jacket off, joined the swim team, and that's what we call So the team that I was on, it was our local team, and we often refer to it in the Paralympic community as able-bodied swimming because, you know, you're participating in age group swimming with all other kids who, you know, obviously the majority of them are able-bodied. There's, I, I noticed there's very few people that look like me. Very few other swimmers get around in a wheelchair. And I remember thinking to myself, well, that's kind of weird, but you know what? There's no difference between me or them. So I started, you know, training really hard with the kids and I actually started winning able-bodied meets. And I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Like in general. So I remember I was at a meet and um, I'm a distance swimmer, always have been. And I swam a 500 freestyle. And at the end of the race, I got out and I was like happy with it and everything. And then all of a sudden, two officials are like walking over towards me. And my first thought was, oh my gosh, how did I DQ myself? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like literally, what did I do? So I feel like I'm about to start crying. I'm like eight years old and my mom's standing beside me. And I was like, mom, I don't know what I did, but this can't be good. Um, and they came over to me and they go, hi, like, great job. Have you ever heard of Paralympic swimming? And I was like, what? And they were like, Paralympics, like for athletes with a disability. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I had never heard of Paralympics before. And they were like, you're very talented. You're very good. You need to look into this and join a team. And I remember going home that night with my mom and we Googled, you know, U.S. Paralympic swimming. And up on the screen came, you know, Jessica Long and Curtis Lovejoy and all these incredible athletes at, you know, it was like the Athens 2004 games, like pictures from that. They had gold medals around their necks yeah. and they were so swimming cool. and winning for their country and they all had a disability. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I've got to do this. So I got involved and I remember it was crazy because after my first two meets, I had people coming up to me and they were like, oh, you're the next so-and-so. Oh, you're going to be someone one day. And I remember thinking to myself, well, that would be really awesome. And I guess it'd be pretty cool to win a gold medal. Um, but also, like, I just love doing it. And for the first time in my life, I felt at home on a pool deck, being surrounded by other athletes with disabilities, going through the same things I was going through. Yeah, that's amazing to have found, like, the community of that to where, like you said, you just feel at home. You feel like you know what you're doing. You feel like you're just doing what you're meant to be doing. I can imagine that's just an amazing feeling. Absolutely. It was magical. And I, you know, I knew that's where I belonged, really. Yeah, that's awesome. So before we actually started recording, you told us that you're actually at a training facility in Colorado, mm -hmm. I think you said. Um, so yeah. tell us what it's like to make that decision and kind of when that happens that you're going to fully commit to training for the Paralympics and you have to actually go live somewhere separate from your family and commit full time to training for this. Yeah, you know, it's always a tough decision. And I actually can trace it all the way back to, you know, when I was 16, I made my very first national team. And I went to London, the London games that year. And I'll never forget, like saying goodbye to my family, because we had a meet that we had to go to in Canada that summer. And then right before the games, like three weeks before we went to a training camp in Germany. And I had never really been away from my family like that right. before. And, you know, my mom was my coach um, the last few years of my age group and high school career. So going somewhere where your coach isn't and also your mom and 
it's hard. It's so difficult. But I mean, obviously so much fun at the same time, but you know, sometimes you really start to get homesick. So I kind of started getting used to it from a really young age though. And then, um, you know, when I was 18, I graduated high school and yeah, I'm from a very small town in Georgia and I made the decision to go to Baltimore to Loyola University and a national team coach was the head coach of the varsity team there. So I swam division one there for four years. So I balanced college swimming and being a national team athlete and also a full-time student for yeah. four years straight. Casual, so, just super casual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I definitely, I think that those four years I went home maybe for like almost two weeks around Christmas time before I had to turn around and go on a training trip and then go back to, you know, start the next semester. And then we also had right smack dab in the middle of my college career were the Rio games. Oh my um, goodness. So, you know, I got used to it from a really young age. And when the pandemic hit, you know, March of last year, I made the decision to leave Baltimore and go home to Georgia for seven months. I had not been home that much since you know I was 16 basically so right. to have that time with my family was really amazing and then it was around September of last year when we were made aware that um, the Olympic and Paralympic Training Center out here in Colorado Springs was accepting national team athletes to come out here and train because you know pools left and right getting shut down at Randall yeah. and you know, no weight training it was very difficult so I'm very lucky to be out here with an amazing group of national teamers and and be able to train and get focused for the games it's been incredible that's amazing to be able to get kind of refreshed and rejuvenated which i'm sure it sounds like you definitely need it after the extensive amount of time away from your family i, I can only imagine I'm a, I'm a big mama's boy i like to say it on the podcast <laughs> yeah. shout out to mom and yeah. dad but it is what it is i'll embrace it but um i want to back up real quick because you brought up loyola and I think I heard this, and correct me if I'm wrong, y'all brought home 23 of 37 gold medals. Is that right? I, I think yeah. I, I mean, that sounds mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, so we did, we brought home 23 medals out of the 37 that um, U.S. Paralympic Swimming won for Team USA at the Games. That's insane. Yeah. We like to do <laughs> claps on the podcast. And that, that, that calls for that. a clap. We do rounds of applause. So tell us about Rio. So what kind of experience was that, even just being at the Olympics? I want to talk about you winning in a second, but what was it like just being an Olympic athlete after people, all of this you've gone through? Yeah, people always ask me what it's like, and I tell you it's it's such an incredible experience. And it's so hard. I get so emotional when I think about it too. Like, I feel like I choke up, but like, it is literally the pinnacle of your entire career and the privilege to represent Team USA, something so much bigger than yourself. It's something that you can only dream of. And like, when it happens to you, you cannot believe that it's happening to you. And I get a lot of questions, like, you know, people like, oh, between, you know, like London and Rio, like, which one is your favorite? And I could never answer that question because each one is so special in its own way. And I always say my favorite part, yeah, I've, I've been to two games, but like my favorite part of a games is walking into the aquatic center for the very first time and looking around at the stands and the pool and just imagining what could happen in there for yeah. you and for the team. And it's to, to share that with your national team teammates is indescribable. 
Yeah, that that sounds like an. Ama- I I can only imagine what that I, I mean, can't would feel like. Really yeah, no, I'm not, I'm like trying to put myself <laughs> in your shoes, like for a second, and just like actually feel that. I mean, I can't because it's just it's something that. It's just like such a it, unique yeah, experience, so unique. clearly, to so few people, which is already so impressive. So I think one thing that I personally have already heard and, and feel like you have such a strong mindset and just such a strong, you know, willpower. And I just kind of want to have you talk about, you know, the mindset that you have training for this event. I think this might be a good time to, to ask this question because obviously training for Rio or, or London, it's it's a four-year span. Yes, you have, you know, tournaments and competitions in between. And obviously you're practicing every single day and training every single day. But what is that mindset like to, you know, have something so far out and and to have to work towards it every single second of every single day. Yeah, you know, I am the best way to describe me. I'm locked in. I'm <laughs> all in. I, I that sounds so intense, but I no, do I not love do it. Things, I do not do things halfway. If I'm gonna do something, and it doesn't matter if it's swimming or you know, writing a book or <laughs> you know my academics, I'm going to do it fully and to the best of my ability. So I wake up every day. And I think to myself, how can I get 100% of everything that I can give out of this day? I go into every single training session. Okay, this might, you know, I might not be feeling too great or maybe my pace is a little off, but I am going to get in and give everything that I possibly can. So when I walk away from that training session, I have no doubt that I did everything I could. And when I step behind the blocks, wearing, you know, the stars and stripes on my cap, I will know that no matter what happens, I did everything everything I possibly could to have the best possible race in that moment. And that's what I want to go with. I I never want to have a regret or to think twice about, could I have done something better? Could I have given more? No. Like, I know I did everything I could. And if you can't tell already, I am quite a type A personality. So (laughs) not at all. (laughs) No, not at all. Um, I am fiercely competitive and very type A. So I have no problem, you know, looking at a span of four years or eight years or 12 years. And, you know, when the postponement happened, I think everybody was asking, you know, wow, like, how are you going to deal with another year of training? And, you know, I look at them and I'd say, no, like, I get another year of training. Yes, this is a very difficult situation and my heart hurts a lot for the world. But also, I'm not going to sit here and fret over what I can't control. I am in control. And you know, pools open or not, I'm going to get as much as I can out of this year to be even more prepared when it comes time for Tokyo. I think that's really well said. And also, I think it's a very slept on, you know, mindset or or saying that you had. A lot of people might say like a tangible thing or like something that they do personally. But I think that being able to just be locked in and, you know, I don't know, I think an example that comes to mind is like looking at your phone sometimes while like you're doing something else. No, put the phone down, be locked in, do it to your best of abilities, 150%. And you, like you said, you live with the results because you did everything you could. I think that's really well said. Absolutely. I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. So then though, the good part of it is you're so locked in and then you get to Rio and you win a gold medal. You win three, but just one (laughs) is already crazy enough. Tell me what it's like the moment you win and they literally put a gold medal around your neck because I can only imagine, to your point, you have worked so hard every single day, put in 110, 150%, and then there's this moment which I feel like is probably so rewarding, so fleeting, so short all at the same time. Like, what's that like? Yeah, you know, the world stops 
for a minute. And in Rio, when, you know, each gold medal and, you know, also the silver medal on the relay, every single one of those was so special. And I have, you know, obviously some of it was a blur, like there was a <laughs> lot going on in those 10 days. But I'll never forget after my 53, you know, that was my first gold medal. And um, I was, you know, so excited going into that final, but also incredibly nervous. We have, you know, something called the call room. It's where you go. It's kind of like staging right before you go out um, and compete. And, yeah, I had girls, like, staring me down in there. I had (laughs) girls who were a lot taller than me who, you know, were more muscular. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, I am first going into this final. They're staring me down. I am not about to let them take away what I have worked my entire life for. And going out there, we dove in. And I can't tell you one thing about what happened in the middle of that race. (laughs) But I can tell you hitting the wall and looking up and on the box they have like lights so they have like three lights and it'll light up you know one light two lights or three lights if you got gold silver bronze and the very first thing when i looked for when i hit that wall was a light and it had one light on it and i was like no and then i looked (laughs) up at the board and i was like no and i wanted to be so sure before I gave this reaction because you know you always think what would I do if I like in the crazy scenario that I win a medal like what would I do how would I react so I wanted to be so sure of it and I thought to myself well this is the moment this is the raw emotion and what do I do I have the ugliest crying face of my entire life oh no (laughs) so ridiculous but honestly it it felt like the entire arena just it, it was just empty and it was just me having that moment and having that realization that everything I pushed so hard for every single day and every single moment that I woke up for 6 a.m. practice and I did that double. And yeah, I don't like to call it sacrifices. I like to call it choices. But I made choices in my life that would further me along in my path to success. Every bit of that was worth it. And I'll never forget, you know, I said looking in the stands and finding my family as I was getting out of the water, I found my family and just looking at them and, you know, you can't say anything, you can't yell because it's so loud, but just looking at them and knowing like we did it, yep. that's everything. And the only regret that I have is when you're on or, you know, or sad part about it is when you're on the podium, it's only you standing right there. But, you know, I think about my entire family, my coaches, my teachers, they were all right there with me in spirit. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I am taking so many nuggets away from this entire conversation. One of them is I don't like to call it sacrifices. I like to call it choices, which is like something I'm just going to take away for so many different (laughs) reasons. But I'm just like, I don't even really know you, but I'm already so proud of you because I think it's just such a cool moment. And to your point, like your family was there with you. You get to celebrate it all there together, even though they're not standing right next to you. I know they were probably watching with like so much joy in that moment, too. Yeah, absolutely. And after I came off the podium each time, um, we got like five minutes with our families in the stands. And actually, this was kind of funny. So like, I won my gold medal in the 50. And I I got off the podium. and I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, I get to go see my family. Like, this is crazy. Well, I didn't exactly understand that, like, you can't just like out of games, like walk into, you know, like, 
a crowd with like a gold medal in the stands. <laughs> yeah, you can't like really like go under the radar with that. So I like went upstairs and I'll never forget one of our coaches. I had one of my coaches with me and then we had our bodyguard, like our team bodyguard and everyone swarmed me. I don't really even know if I got like 30 seconds really alone with my family. But it was oh, so no. funny. And it was so cool to talk to everyone and take pictures. But you know, like what a moment, like, that's just, you know, that gold medal is as much mine as it is theirs, if not more so theirs. So that was very cool to be able to share with them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I also think a little unfortunate, man, only like 30 seconds with your, like they deserve that whole, that whole time. Yeah. Come on now, people respect the gold. Um, but all right, I want to back up because I didn't know if I was going to ask this question, but I, I really want to. I'm curious now. So I want to ask, do you guys talk trash to one another ever? Is there like bad blood, good blood? Are you guys, do you guys talk? I'm just curious. I just, I had to ask. Um, you know, for the most part, there's no trash talking, but there's definitely like, you know, you call them like the death stares or there's like daggers. Um, and you know, it's not like everyone, everybody, you know, my competitors are super nice and I have a lot of respect for them but obviously when you walk into that room it is every man for themselves yeah and it can be very intense and you know i work really really hard with my sports psychologist because i think your mental training is just as important if not more important than everything you're putting in in the water because yeah i can go swim you know six seven days a week i can do doubles i can lift but if your mind's not in the right place and you don't have the mental strength to handle it then that could completely throw off your entire race. So I actually believe that races are won and lost in that ready room. And I try to, you know, keep to myself as much as possible. Actually, I'm a huge music person. People are very different, but I love to just put my earphones in and I'll stare down at the ground. I'll, you know, move around, do whatever I need to do, but just kind of tune everybody out. But let me tell you, the death stare, <laughs> it's real. And See, it's that's what I wanted to know. I mean, I can only imagine just, I mean, I picture just a bunch of just people just all of a sudden you like walk into a room and they all just turn to you and just like glare at you very, very viciously. I well, mean. they're obviously <laughs> all very competitive considering they're Olympic athletes. So I can only imagine. Absolutely. It is, um, it is an intense environment. And yeah, I have been told I have my own little looks. So I'm not innocent here. I, I probably cut Shoot my up. eyes a little bit. But, um, that's you know, you got you to gotta go in there. You got to be a fighter to survive. That's for sure. 100%. That's amazing. That's awesome. So you had a lot of success, obviously, in Rio. And I you said you were also still training for the Tokyo Games, which we know has, I mean, there's a ton of up in the airness, I guess that's clearly not a phrase, but there's a whole lot of uncertain around those games. What are kind of your thoughts on how that's playing out and kind of what you're doing to continue to stay ready? Or if you know, like what's happening basically? Yeah, there's definitely, you know, you, you hear a lot about it every now and then. I feel like every couple of weeks you'll see an article come out. And as we get closer, I'm sure that will start happening more and more. But, you know, the mindset that I really like to stay in is to try and turn all that off. And, you know, I don't know if ignore is the right word, but try to ignore it as much as possible. Because my job, you know, right now for Team USA is to continue training and to continue doing everything I possibly can because I fully believe that moment will come. And when the moment comes to step up in Tokyo, I know that I'll be ready for it. And another thing that we really like to kind of talk about in sports psychology and especially 
being on the national team is that you're only in control of what you're in control of. So, you know, I can't control speculation. I can't control the gossip surrounding the games. And it's so unfortunate, you know, we can't control this absolutely devastating pandemic yeah. going on that, you know, is so much bigger than sports or whatever is going on in our daily lives. It's so much bigger. And I wish I could control that. I wish I could make it go away, but I can't. So the only Same. thing I can do is train and prepare the best that I possibly can. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way as you do, honestly, on that situation. We both do. What's going on right now is it's terrible. It's sad. It's, it's just a lot of pain. Um, so I, I want to back up and maybe go more in depth about just you personally. So you're an Adidas <laughs> athlete. Yes. I just want to talk to you. How, how was that? Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you, my journey with Adidas and also Lending Tree and New Motion, I am so lucky to work with such incredible, amazing brands and companies. And, you know, when I was finishing up my collegiate career in 2018, I'll never forget, it was my last meet ever as a Loyola Greyhound. And let me tell you, I cried so hard. <laughs> I was swimming a mile, and that's 66 laps. It was my last event ever. Oh, my God. It was, it's a lot. Yeah, hold up. I think we, we need to back up a little bit. 66. I think that's a big upgrade from the six laps originally done. <laughs> No, just a couple more. <laughs> um, yeah, but 66 laps. You know, I had spent four years at Loyola, literally every single weekend of the season. You're talking like a four or five month long season, swimming like the thousand, which is 40 laps short course, or, you know, the 1650, which is 66 laps short course. So it was very fitting to me that I would, would have my last race as a Greyhound being the mile. Like it just, it works. So you know, my, my coach was right behind the blocks, right behind me. And, um, I remember he looked at me and he goes, are you crying? I'm like, no, <laughs> on the block. And I'm like, I'm sniffling as like the starter is sending us. So I dove in and it was just, I can't even remember the time I went. I was, I think it was like a pretty good time, but like in the race, I remember I had 66 laps to think about everything I had been through in those four years all you know the hard moments when I break a bone or I needed surgeries or I needed treatments and then I got to think about the highs you know Rio and competing as part of a division one program like who gets to do that so I had all this time and then the last bit of the race it was like the last third of the race and I thought to myself what is next like where do I go from here when I hit this wall you know I will have finished my collegiate career and it's time for the next chapter and I got out of the water and, you know, I'm crying and hugging, hugging my mom. And that very next week we started, you know, thinking about, okay, getting an agent. And a couple months later, I was so fortunate and blessed to sign with CG sports management company. And, you know, I, I, I talked to um, CG young, the owner of the company. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, you know what? Like, I was kind of scared because I was like, do I tell him all this yeah. stuff? Because I'm a, you know, I'm a Paralympic athlete. And unfortunately, you know, there's still this kind of kind of lack of us in, you know, the brands and the sporting world. And I was like, do I tell him this? Am I reaching too high? You know, can I do this? So I told him, I really want to sign with, you know, a swimwear company, an athletic company. I would love to write a book. I would love to do all these things. And he goes, let's make it happen. Let's do this. And, you know, a couple months later, we started talking to Adidas and, you know, I've, I've worn Adidas my entire life, but I got to try out their swim products. That was a first for me. And literally 
I was like, where has this been all my life? Like, this is perfect. This fits me perfectly. Like the brand's mottos, you know, anyone can be an athlete and sports are, you know, so much more than just, you know, playing a game or being athletic. It really has an impact on the world. And then, you know, signing with New Motion and Lending Tree about a year later, it was just, it feels like I'm living a dream. Like, I would never think, you know, thinking back to little old me taking that life jacket off and jumping <laughs> in, like, all these dreams and all these goals and working with these amazing brands, like, who gets to do that? That's incredible. Um, definitely you because you deserve it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that is obviously, like, you reach some big goals there. I want to ask kind of what has been your biggest achievement thus far? Has it been the gold medal? And then what is, like, your still biggest goal you've set for yourself yet to come? I think the greatest achievement of my life, and and don't get me wrong, you know, it's really fun to do all these different things and to also, you know, be able to go out and represent my country and win gold medals and world records and all of that is great. But I think the single greatest achievement of my life, and this actually happened in Rio after I came off the podium um, with one of my gold medals, you know, I was up in the stands with my family and this little girl and i love the color pink so like all my wheelchairs have been pink for like forever (laughs) and um, i was up there with my family and over in the corner i saw this little girl trying to get over to me in a little pink wheelchair and i was like Mm -hmm. you know kind of like waved her over like oh come here come here and she came over with her mom and um she she told me that i was her hero and her mom said that they had traveled across brazil just to watch me swim and she told me that she wanted to do that one day and i think that's when it hit me like all the medals and the records are great but making an impact on other people's lives like that is pretty much the coolest thing i could ever possibly imagine doing and you know in in the midst of all this cool stuff like that is the coolest thing and that's what i want to show people that no matter what you're up against you can go for it as long as you have the work ethic and the heart to see it through um so i definitely think that is hands down the greatest achievement in my career. And, you know, in terms of moving forward, I think that I'm in a really awesome place in my career. And I really hope, you know, I'm, I'm aiming to go through, you know, LA in 2028. That, that's my hopes. Love but, it. you know, being able to go out and continue to make a difference in people's lives and to be able to do what I love is probably my biggest dream so it's a really really cool time i think in my career right now love it yeah that's incredible we will be 100 percent watching by the way and i think that might be also a great segment to just bring this in kenzie cares would you talk about that a little bit really just wanted you to share a little bit about it on the podcast absolutely so i you know i've been in and out of hospitals my entire life and growing up, I actually took a bone strengthening drug called permendronate or Iridia. And uh, it would require me to go into a hospital every three months. And I would stay at least three days, if not longer, getting the treatments. And when I would go in, I remember, you know, at first I'd go in and for the first couple of hours, you know, they're just taking my vitals and making sure everything was good before we started the first round of treatment. Um, and I would go around the hospital, like, you know, the little pediatric kids wing, and I would see all of these kids who couldn't leave their rooms. They were so sick and dealing with such life-threatening things. Like, you couldn't even imagine the types of things that these kids were going through. And I remember, you know, though everybody who worked there tried to make it such a happy and, 
and light place. There was a lot of darkness. There was a lot of sadness. And I wanted to do something to cheer them up. I wanted to do something to put a smile on their face. So when I first get there, my um, before we got there, well, my mom and I would make little bags of crayons, coloring books, toys. And then when I get there for my treatments, um, before I went in for the first round, my mom and I would go hand them out to kids on the floor. And, you know, obviously if we couldn't go into a room, we'd hand them to the nurses or we'd ask the parents, is this okay if they have this? Um, and it was just the coolest thing to be able to kind of make this literally the smallest difference in somebody's day. Um, but that actually made going into the hospital every three months for, you know, treatments that made me so incredibly sick. I was confined to the bed I couldn't hold my head up. I was, you know, so sick and it made it bearable for me to be able to interact with them. And as I got older, I said to myself, you know, I'm not going in as much for treatments anymore, but I want to continue to do this. I want to make a bigger difference through this. And I was in high school and I decided, you know what, let's start an organization. Let's do it. So we, um, we started it. It's called Kenzie Cares. And it's given me the opportunity throughout the years to visit hospitals, um, children's clinics, anything that I can go and, you know, be a part of and say hi to the kids and hand out things and just make their day a little bit better. That has been the greatest privilege of my entire life. The families and the kids that I have met have made an impact on me that I will take with me forever. And, you know, people ask me, who inspires you? Like, they inspire me 100%. That honestly is so amazing. I think that's such an incredible way to your point. Like, it started because you were there alongside them and you just wanted to bring some joy to them and to you and then to be able to carry it on through this entire time is so incredible too. So I think that's so awesome. Um, I think we just have two more questions for you. I have one random question. What's on your hype up playlist before you swim? Well, that's a good question. Oh my gosh. Okay, I love this question. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay, this is crazy, but like I feel like it changes like every so often. Like you know that like you're vibing with a different type of music like every now and then yeah, and for like sure. maybe you get bored with one. Well, right now, um my hype playlist is the weekend and i really love bozzy like Ooh. those like they're so awesome and then of course like rihanna's like my all-time favorite so 100%. if you throw out like a super lit like pop like poppy type song or even a pop remix i'm a sucker for a pop remix like <laughs> i'm ready to go i'm, I'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is that sounds like literally a perfect playlist for swimming sixty six <laughs> laps. I would need I would need that, about eight thousand yeah. monsters and probably like eighteen pizzas. I'm just and maybe yeah. be able to. Chad yeah. is not a good swimmer, so hundred percent he would need more than that to get through sixty six laps. I don't think he could, to be fair, without the life jacket. I was so. gonna say honestly, I'd probably just take that life jacket that he threw in the trash a long time ago and that would probably be sufficient for me. Exactly. Oh, Chad, that's so funny. Well, you know what's actually crazy and a lot of people don't know this. My mom, like, um, she originally like really thought that she would just get us into swim lessons anyway, because 
she when she was growing up, her mom didn't let her go into the water past her knees. Oh. She was actually like she told us this like you know a few years after like we joined the swim team. She was like, yeah, I was like determined to get you guys in because like I couldn't swim till I was sixteen. People are always shocked by that. See, there it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. grooming us to have an Olympic athlete oh that God. that is an incredible swimmer. No, that's See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I like to end the podcast with one question to our each guest that we have on here, and it's a fairly simple question, honestly. But what is your motto? What is what is your you know your takeaway or one thing that you've just held on to forever okay so I think it's like kind of two different things maybe but like I feel like it really describes me and my journey and what I would want somebody to take from it it's always go for it and never let someone dictate what you're capable of like hands down yeah that's like a really great one and I think that you have epitomized that to a T So I think it's so awesome. And we're so grateful that you have been on the podcast and come on here and shared your story and shared everything because I guarantee you everybody listening will take away multiple nuggets from this conversation. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, you guys. You you guys are awesome. Like, I, I really, I'm, like, so hype right now. Like, I feel like we need to do this, like, all the time. I know. We need a like, pop list. We just need to get an instant pop list going and just, like, you know, just start jamming out. Just start jamming out. Well, I'm down. Well, I'm all right, down. well, hang on real quick, though, because I'm sure people are going to want to check you out. 100%. Where can they find you on social medias real quick? So I um I really love Instagram and Twitter. I love to post swimming things and updates on my journey through, you know, my career and obviously on the road to Tokyo. So you can find me at Mackenzie underscore Cohen. I love interacting with people on there and I think it's so much fun. Fantastic. Thank you so much again, everyone. This is Mackenzie Cohen. She is a incredibly talented individual i don't want to say everything you know i'm gonna say it all again again. she's a (laughs) six-time world champion a three-time paralympic gold medalist a one-time paralympic silver medalist all-around awesome person and adidas athlete starter of kenzie cares world record holder motivational motivational speaker speaker, soon to be author soon to be author (laughs) and just if you don't curse i apologize just an all-around badass so (laughs) thank you guys again for listening to a guy and a girl talk sports and we will see you guys as always on monday